Hello friends! Hi! It is 6 o'clock on Sunday, which of course means, as you know, per usual, it is office hours. I know that it is a holiday weekend, so I have no expectation that there's going to be a large number of you with me right now. Uh, but if there are any of you who are around and who have questions for me that are industry related or any kind of question at all. Um, I am here and I am a free resource for you. Uh, I will answer any and all questions you have. No question is stupid, no question is silly. Uh, and if you have a question that you think might be one of those things, feel free to direct message it to me and no one will have to know that you asked it. Um, so, okay, audition season is upon us. It is just around the corner, my loves. It's coming whether you like it or not. All the big things are going to start auditioning in the next three to four weeks. So, who's ready? Who's excited? Who has questions? Uh, I have a couple questions that people have already uh, sent me for today. Uh, but if you have a question, please feel free to type it in the comments or send me a direct message. Um, also, just like let me know you're here. Say hey, give me a thumbs up. Uh, tell me how your week went. I hope everything was great. It's been two weeks since we chatted last time and my internet was crazy. Uh, so hopefully today we will not have an internet problem and I will actually get to talk to all of you. Uh, but okay, let me know you're here. Say hey. Hey girl. I hope that you all are having a good holiday weekend. Um, I would like to say happy trails to my friends at The Great Comet. Uh, your time has come too soon, but you all have done incredible work and I'm sure we'll be seeing you doing great things soon 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 um okay so first and foremost I got this wonderful uh, comment that I want to read uh, to start this you guys know that I like to talk about something that either happened with a client or happened to me in the most recent weeks before we get started taking questions and I got this message today and I was like that is what I want to talk about so the message said it's not really a question but I was just having a moment celebrating myself for admitting when I was wrong. I so often feel like people are afraid to say, whoops, my bad, but I feel so powerful after saying, hey, I screwed up. It's hard to get to the, that point to say it was a mistake, and it takes a lot of courage to say that after, but I feel free. Am I the only one? Okay, so first and foremost, I love getting messages like this. It makes my heart so happy when people are taking the time to recognize that being able to say, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, or I thought I did and I completely messed up, or I was wrong. It's the most powerful thing that you can ever admit to yourself or to other people, and it is the thing that is going to continue to make friends, have very valuable personal relationships, and be the best version of yourself. I like to say that art and humanity do not exist without context and vulnerability, and I think that understanding your... Um, yourself to the place where you can admit that you were wrong or that you just, you know, made a mistake is the utmost in being vulnerable and understanding the context with which you made your statement. So I just super, super, super applaud you. And I think I wish that more people in this life uh, would just admit when they're wrong. Okay. Um, I used to be a person who couldn't do this. I would defend until the death my right to make a statement. Uh, and even if I knew that statement was incorrect, I would be the kind of person who would just say, no, 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 no. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Like, it's not that big deal. It's just, it's like, yeah. And the truth is, uh, as I started to understand myself and the fact that I don't have all the answers, that's when I really started to realize that my relationships were, um, 
working and that I was working and that I was getting more work and that I was feeling more complete as a human um, and that I didn't find myself trapped all the time. Uh, I feel like when we don't admit that we're wrong at all, we find ourselves trapped in really crappy situations a lot of the time. Um, so one of the greatest gifts that's ever been given to me was this awakening of like, you don't always have to be right. And it's great when you admit that you're wrong. Um, so that's just kind of how I want to start this week. So it looks like I have, I've gotten a couple questions and I have gotten a couple questions uh, since uh, we started. So I'm going to look at this question that was just asked for me. So it says, uh, I'm prepping for college auditions and I'm trying to find monologues right now. I was wondering what plays you really like at the moment and would suggest to read. Whew. Well, I'm really fortunate because I get to read a lot of plays that other people have never read um, because I get to work on them and people like to have me read their plays and give notes. So if anyone's watching who or listening and uh, has a play or a musical that they're working on and they'd like a pair of eyes on them, uh, please feel free to send that to me to my email and say, hey girl, will you read this? Because uh, I'd love to. Uh, so I'm really fortunate. A lot of the playwrights that I really like right now are playwrights that are not published and you can't actually look at their scripts or buy them. Um, but I, oh my goodness, when it comes to what you're auditioning for for college, you and I can talk specifically about stuff that I think might work for you, and I'd love to talk through that. But I think when it comes to audition material, uh, that is a super, super personal experience, right? So the things that I like and the things that I love also don't necessarily match in terms of things that I think people should be auditioning with. Uh, so I would love to talk with you personally about that. Um, but I am very, very, very fortunate in that I get to uh, work with a lot of new playwrights and a lot of new composers who I'm obsessed with. Uh, so I do have a list of people that I really like, and if anybody would want that, they can feel free to email me and ask for it. But when it comes to um, monologue choices, I think taking the time to really understand, you know, I talk a lot about through line and what your personal through line is, and so taking the time to understand how your view of the world and your experience in the world affects the art that you create and the art that, you, that resonates with you, that's going to lead you specifically to material that's probably going to be better and very specific for you. So we should talk about that one-on-one. -on -one. Um, okay, I know that wasn't super helpful, but I think it was a little bit helpful. If you have any follow-up questions, feel free to send them my way. Um, I'm going to go to some of the questions that have been asked to me before we started. I got a question that said, how much does one social media standing, i.e. number of Instagram followers, impact chances of getting called into a room or getting cast? This is a great question. It is a question that I get all the time. Um, I, I always say this when talking about social media. My personal opinion is either be really good at it or don't do it at all. Wasting your time using it as kind of a middle ground is, in fact, just that, in my opinion. It is a waste of your time. You either need to be super good at it and know how to promote what it is that you do, know how to, know how to promote your business, which is yourself, um, have a specific view, use it to create the magazine of your life or the uh, sharing the work that you're writing or sharing some sort of point of view, um, or don't waste your time and invest time in your art uh, and in, in the work that you're doing. In terms of getting cast, I'm not going to lie and say that social numbers will never have an impact on you getting a part because it's just not true. It's like any era of celebrity or artist or work. When there is a hint of notoriety to who you are, 
the opportunities are going to be greater. We see this no matter what, right? Like Marilyn Monroe was a wonderful actress. She had a very interesting point of view, but she continued to get work both because she was a wonderful actress and because she was Marilyn Monroe and people wanted to see her, right? Like she was an entity. We can say this probably going back uh, to the umpteenth, you know, the umpteenth degree. That's not what I meant to say at all. But we could say this going back to any time there has been a performer or an artist, right? Um, if someone has a group of people who want to see their work, then people who are giving money to make sure that that artist is shown um, are more likely to give it to someone who has it following. Now, that doesn't mean at the end of the day that the only people who are going to work are gonna be people with high uh, numbers. It depends on the project, it depends on um, how much the project needs some sense of notoriety outside of the work. Um, there are lots of factors that go into it. I have worked on projects where we've looked for people's social standings um, because we, it might help a new work. Um, I have worked on projects where people's uh, Instagram and people's Facebook and stuff is actually kind of a turnoff and um, has been a conversation in rooms. You know, these things do matter. The way that you present yourself on the internet, the way that you share of yourself, the things that you're saying, all of these are part of the package that is who you are as an artist. So if you feel like that you're not representing your package well, um, I recommend making some changes or just not using it, not worrying about it. Um, as long as you are accessible and can be found in terms of contact information on the internet, uh, that is fine by me. As long as I can find your email address, that's important. Uh, but if you like social media, you know, you guys know I love social media and I, um, I use it a lot and I use it for different things and I love my Instagram and I use it as a separate kind of business for myself. So, you know, I have nothing against social, but it is the kind of thing that I think you need to be good at or you need to just let it go. Um, I hope that was helpful. If it was, let me know. If not, feel free to send a follow-up question because I know that is something that you are, a lot of people are concerned about. I get this kind of question every time I come onto office hours. Someone has a question about social. Um, so if anyone has any follow-up questions, feel free to, um, ask them. I see I'm getting some comments from Asher. I love you too, friend. I just think you're the bee's knees. Um, what? question does this say? Hold on. I want to be able to read your question, Asher. So I have to go on this thing. Okay. So Asher, Sophie Turner says she won the role of Sansa, hey yo, on Game of Thrones because she had a stronger social media presence than a better actress. All right. Well, there you go. That wasn't a question. It was just a follow-up statement. Um, I, I don't doubt that that is true. Um, we see time and time again, like I said, that people people who are investing money in especially uh, lesser known talents uh, like to know that people are gonna show up for them. And we've seen that for a very long time. And now social media is a very quick and dirty way of seeing who's gonna pay to show up and see this person. So whether we like it or not, it is something that is influencing certain projects. And clearly things like Game of Thrones uh, made a difference. So for some of the actors at least, maybe not for all of them. Um, okay, so do I have any more questions here? No, but I have another question here. So, um, I got a question that says, what do you do to yourself when you get up in the morning that gets you really pumped up about this business and this work? Okay, guys, I love this business. 
I love the work that I do. I love the work that I get to be a part of. Um, so when I get up in the morning, it's less about getting myself pumped up for work and more about getting pumped up to wake up. Um, so I do the five, four, three, two, one method where I lay in bed and I say five, four, three, two, one, and I put my feet on the ground and then I go. When it comes to getting pumped about this industry and why I love it, um, it's super easy for me to explain. I am a child of stories and I am a person who believes that the only thing that matters in this world is storytelling. Everything that we believe, everything that we vote for, everything that we eat, everything that we wear, everything that impacts us is because someone told us a story about it in some way, shape or form. And I am of the firm belief that the theater and that uh, the creators of text that is spread generation to generation, these are the people that influence the way that we become who we become. These are the people, the writers, the creatives, the directors, the actors, the producers, all of us, all of us on creative teams and in creative projects. We are the greatest influencers in the world and we have been since the caves. It is real. And so for me, the work that we do is not only valuable because it's fun and it's pretty and it's creative and it makes us feel like princes and princesses, but because we have the opportunity to influence everyone. Um, and I am jazzed about the people who are using that influence to make progressive and interesting change that bring us to a better place of understanding who we are as humans and how we fit onto this little dot in the space of the universe. Um, and I really think that the people who are making stories right now and telling stories are incredible, incredibly brave, incredible humans. So for me, like I wake up and I open my Facebook and I look at who I get to hang out with and who I get to make art with and I just kind of freak out. Uh, I'm so excited about this next generation of theater makers and film and TV makers and creatives. And so uh, that's why I get jazzed. Um, I don't know why you guys get jazzed and I'd love to hear why you guys get excited about this art form. Um, it's not dying, it's brilliant, and it is vibrant, and it is pushing every human being forward in a new way, um, and I'm just thrilled to be like a tiny speck in the little part of what this is, and I hope as my career grows and as we all grow older together, I'm no longer a tiny speck. I, I, I want to be like a big, you know, uh, ice pick in the eye of this industry, so... Uh, I wake up every morning and put my feet down and try to, you know, shovel my way through and be seen and be known and work with the people who want to be seen and be known and create stories together. Uh, why else would we be doing this? I, I don't know. So that's me. That's how I wake up in the morning. Um, and also, I'm so lucky I get to sit in a room and watch people share their art all day, every day. And that gift of a life is just that. It is a gift of a life. I am so lucky to watch Bravery on Parade from 9 to 5 almost every day of the week. It's pretty beautiful. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I do. So thank you for that question. If any of you guys have reasons why you wake up in the morning and do this, I, I would love to know. I would absolutely love to know who's in this community with me. Um, Asher, what did you say? Watching you talk about your job makes my soul smile. Hey, I'm so glad. Working with you makes my soul smile. Let's make some more art. I'm ready. My body and my mind are ready. Um, Asher is the writer and director of Afterglow. Oh, I have the New York Times review right there. 
on my desk. Um, it's a wonderful play off-Broadway that I got to cast and I got to work with Asher. And if you haven't seen Afterglow, you should absolutely go see it. It is a thrilling 90-minute play that explores what love can look like in this world today. And it's fascinating and has a wonderful cast, if I do say so myself. Um, I got another question from my girl, Kate Owens, and she says, uh, lately I'm feeling like there's not enough time in the day. Ooh, Kate, who are you talking to? It feels like as soon as I check something off of my to-do list, another thing immediately takes its place. Do you have any strategies for balancing work and downtime? How do you put the work down and relax without feeling guilty about it? Cricket, cricket. Uh, Kate, I'm a terrible person to ask this question to. If you were to talk to my husband, uh, he would say I don't stop working. I wake up at, you know, 7 a.m. and or earlier, and then I go to sleep at 2:30 a.m. with my phone in my hand, still writing emails and still working. So I am absolutely terrible at this. But I have found some things and some strategies that help me get it all done and help me understand that at some point you have to take a break. So strategically planning things that are repetitive things in your week help me to take the time uh, to not be working. So if you can plan something, like I have game night every Sunday night with two of our best friends, um, and that means all Sunday night, no matter what, my phone is down and I'm not answering emails after office hours. Uh, and I am hanging out with people that I love and who challenge me, but on a personal level and who, you know, don't ask me questions about work. And it's great. Um, also, if there's something that you can do that's a self-care thing, like, I don't know, if you like to go get your hair done or if you like to go to a specific class for a gym class or you like to go for a run in Central Park or a walk or eat a, you know, macaroon or do whatever you want to do. Um, scheduling it to happen at the same time every week and then actually sticking to it is something that allows me to feel like I'm on schedule, which is very important to me, but still relax. Um, and that's been a great tool. Uh, also, in terms of getting things done and tools that I have, um, you guys know I love a spreadsheet and Google Drive is my most wonderful thing, but I will say, um, if you have Google Drive and you're using it, or if you have some sort of software that you use to run your life, a way to make sure that you are not using it all the time is to just delete the app. Just delete the app. So if at some point during your day you feel like you're looking at this thing way too much, be it Facebook or Google Drive or whatever, if it's one of those apps that you can delete and then you know download real fast and nothing changes, um, just do it. Just delete the app. Take it off of your phone and take the opportunity away from you. I do that sometimes if I'm going to the theater and I'm going to dinner, even if I'm going to dinner with a client or I'm going to dinner with someone who I hope might be a client in the future. I just delete apps that I don't want notifications from. I delete apps that I don't want to see things from. And then when I get home or the next morning, I just download them again. It's sneaky, but it works. Um, also, I like to plan vacations. Guys, you have to do it. Even if a vacation means getting on the train and going to Long Island City, you have to strategically plan time for yourself. We do not do that anymore. We are expected to be on call all day, every day, and I feel that pressure all the time, as a small business owner, as a woman, as a partner, as a friend, as a boss, as a champion for artists, I feel like I have to be on my phone 24 hours a day. And I know you guys probably feel the same way, no matter what it is that you do with your life. Um, and 
it is wildly important that you take the time to ensure that you have scheduled time off and that you actually stick to it. So right now I have three trips planned between now and uh, Christmas and I will take them and I will be on them and that doesn't mean I'm not accessible when I'm on them but I will take the time to at least get out of my normal daily routine and I think that's really really important. Um, Kate, you also said strategies for balancing work and downtime. That is something you have to talk to another creature about because I was born with this thing where uh, I either have to be fully on vacation or I am thinking about work. So that is tricky for me and it's something that I'd love to work on a little bit more. But if anybody else has strategies, please, please, please let me know. Leave me a comment. Help me be better at my life. I would love to crowdsource your advice as well. Um, Ruthie asked, any general advice for starting a theater company or wanting to learn about producing? This is a great question, and I talk about this a lot because I work with a lot of young producers. Um, I work with a lot of people who want to start theater companies, and I think the first thing that I always suggest is this. If you are uncomfortable talking about money, asking for money, or doing anything involved with money, you need to find a partner who isn't because the number one question that will continue to pop up if you want to start a theater company or be a producer is discussions about money and how to get more of it. Um, and as someone who does not like talking about money, as someone who does not like asking for money or even asking for help, which is one of my greatest weaknesses, um, it would be vitally important if I were to start a theater company to surround myself with other people who do not have that same issue because money will always be something that has to happen when it comes to commercial art. So that's my number one piece of advice. Dig deep, think about your, uh, your relationship with money and then move on from there. Um, and then also just remembering it is a business. At the end of the day, if you're gonna start a theater company, the number one thing that I think you need to know is what is your point of view as a company? There are a lot of theater companies, a lot of really good theater companies, a lot of companies that have been around for a long time. And if you want to work and you want to challenge them and you want to gain an audience and you want to be seen and be heard, uh, you need to have a very strong point of view as to why you're putting this group of artists together, why you've crafted this name and this company for yourself, and what kind of art you want to be producing. Because just kind of like throwing some spaghetti against the wall and being like, hey, we're a group of artists who really like each other and so now we're doing this thing, isn't going to work. I'm just telling you right now, it's just not going to work. When we look at companies like Fiasco, which I think is doing brilliant work, right? Like they have a very specific lens on how they tell stories, how they communicate with each other, what stories they're telling and why, what artists speak to them, how they incorporate music into their work. Um, and because they came onto the scene with a talented, strong group of artists who all spoke the same language, and by that I mean artistic language, and then on top of that had a very specific aesthetic as to what type of art they wanted to create. That is why they have been able to be successful as a new company, um, and I think that's the most important. So having a good relationship with money or surrounding yourself with other people who can talk about money, if that's not your strength, and having a very specific point of view. We talk about this as an individual artist, but even more with a company, right? When you go to see a show at the public, you know what kind of art you're going to see. It's going to challenge you politically. It's going to challenge you and your thoughts about race and identity and American themes. Uh, it's going to challenge you. 
right? That is what the public is trying to do with their art. Um, and that is consistently the kind of programming that they're bringing to the table. But you know that because they, everything about them says that, down to the art that promotes their work, down to the way that Oscar speaks about what uh, they create. Um, and of course, the writers and the people that they bring in to work and the actors and the directors that they bring in to work there. It all feeds this kind of idea of what kind of art they deem important. Um, and you need to know that. So be the Oscar uses you wish to see in the world. And uh, I want that on a t-shirt. Someone make that for me. Um, and make sure you have a clear point of view. So that's my advice about starting a theater company. Also, get a good lawyer. <laughs> uh, because inevitably you'll say something that'll piss someone off and someone uh, will want to will wanna tell you about it. Uh, and you should have someone on your team who's going to help you in that moment. So those are my thoughts for that. Um, looks like I've got several questions online, so I'm going to check those out real fast. Um, let's see, where are they? Sorry, technology right now is not my friend. All right. Say a CD calls you in for a specific track, but says to be familiar with another one just in case. In the audition room, do I mention the other one? I think that's what you meant. Not do T mention. Do I mention the other one? As an actor, can you remind them or even ask if you can read that one too, or should you just read whatever they ask at the time? Okay, so if someone has called you in for a specific track, and then they also like send you a sides packet for another uh character, you have every right in the room to bring it up uh, 100%, especially if you've taken the time to learn it. Now, of course, the people in the room have the right to say, no, what we saw was great, actually. We don't need to see the other thing. I'm so sorry that you took the time to learn it. Um, but for you to not bring it up in the room, if they asked you for it, um, would be a disservice to you because there might be a moment that someone just forgot to put in their spreadsheet that they had asked you to prepare the other thing or, you know, it just might be like a brain fart moment. So definitely, if you have the packet and they've sent it to you and they said, make sure you're familiar with this thing, then after you've done your initial packet, you have every right to say, hey, don't forget, or, or not don't forget, don't forget. Um, but, you know, hey, uh, I you guys also sent me an email asking me to prepare character B and I just wanted to see if you needed to see that or not, right? Absolutely do that, 100%. Um, there are definitely moments where I think I know what I'm talking about and I completely forget. And when someone reminds me, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I definitely did want to see that. Let's let's look at the first side. Um, so definitely do that, 100. But do not ask to read for another character if the CD or whoever sent you the appointment um, didn't ask you to do that. Asking to read for something else is... It just, it's not worth it in the space. We know, we think we know what we're looking for. And if you come in and you show us a different flavor, we definitely might say in the moment, hey, can you stick around, look at this other thing? Um, but it's, there's no need to ask in the space, um, in my opinion, to read for something else. Uh, so I hope that answered your question. Uh, AJ, if you have a follow-up, feel free to, to send it to me. Um, okay, I have another question here. Question, headed to do a show, and I've been looking for managers. I've been getting a lot of feedback along the lines of reach out to me when you're back. Is that a way of saying I'm not interested? I think that's a way of saying reach out to me when you're back. Um, you know, you're not a lot of use to a manager if you're working on a show out of town because they can't really be submitting you for projects um, because you're not here to go in for them. 
So at some point, they're not going to waste their time meeting with you now or signing you now or dealing with any of the kind of paperwork or the realities of that now if you're going to be leaving for a while. So I, you know, if someone's not interested in you, they're, they're either not going to respond in my, my, in my opinion, they're either not going to respond or they're going to say, we don't have room for you at this time. Um, or we're not interested. Uh, most people don't kind of pussyfoot around stuff, especially in my, in my experience, we, we kind of, we can either be nice at saying no, or we don't respond at all, or we're interested, but we want to give you the reality of the experience. So I think in this case, if someone has said, Hey, reach out when you're back, um, reach out when you get back and say, you asked me to reach out, uh, when I got back from my show, I'm back. Here's some pictures from the production. Here's some reviews. Here's some video footage in case you wanted to see it. I would love to get in touch and meet with you at some point now I'm back in the city. Um, but you just have to remember you're not a whole lot of use to someone, especially as a new client, as a new person on their roster, if you can't go in for appointments. Um, that's how you book jobs. That's how these people get to know you. And if you're not here to take meetings or take appointments, why are they going to waste their time submitting you for projects? that you're not going to be seen for when they can actually be serving clients who are here and able to do it. So I don't think that's a hard pass. I think a hard pass is an ignoring email or is uh, a thanks but no thanks email. That kind of language just says to me, hey, I can't, I can't serve you and you can't serve me until you're back. So go enjoy your show and then get in contact with me when I'm back. Um, I think that's my thought about that. Uh, feel free to tell me if you have any follow-up questions, but to me that seems pretty open-ended and, and doesn't seem like a doesn't seem like a hard pass in my book. Just putting that out there. Um, okay, it looks like I have another question. Guys, these questions are so great today. If anybody else has any more questions, please feel free to uh, write them in the comments. Um, all right, let's see. I dropped in for a quick second before having to, getting to, take my dog for a walk before a voice coaching. Oh, this is so generous. This is not a question. Um, but thank you for speaking so eloquently to the importance of stories. You are inspiring. Hey, thank you. Um, your dog still needs walking, so I'm off. Good. Well, go go play with your dog. I saw something today that was so incredible. It literally was like, stop complaining about your life. There are some people who are actually allergic to dogs. <laughs> It's like, you're right, that sucks. That is a terrible existence. People who cannot pet and love on dogs or cats or creatures, they have a real right to complain. Um, okay, so that is all the questions that I was sent uh, earlier. Let me make sure I'm not crazy with that. Um, I think that's all I had. Yeah, that's all I had. Um, so unless I get some more questions from you, I know that it is a holiday weekend and people are out doing Fun thing is the rain has finally stopped in New York, and I'm sure 90% of the people who uh, who watch this show are somehow involved with Great Comet or are at Great Comet or are doing something. Um, so I'm not surprised that uh, engagement is low today. But uh, there were a couple things that I did want to speak on if other people don't have questions. But if you do, while I'm chatting, please feel free to um, put them in the comments below. Uh, I love you too, Gwen. I think you're beautiful and wonderful and kind. And she's a part of my Afterglow family as well and lots of other shows, actually. Um, and she's just a dream. So, hey, it's good to love on you, Gwen. Um, okay, was this another question? No. Great. Um, so some of the things that I wanted to talk about before I leave you all, 
uh, is this idea of um, my incredibly wonderful husband in this life was talking to one of his friends the other day and then he kind of told me about his conversation and I've tweaked his words a little bit but it was something I posted the other day on Facebook that was uh, he said to me it's okay if someone wants to sit at your table just make sure that you aren't on the menu and in that moment that he said it to his friend and the moment that he said it to me I was like "Ooh, the shunken family wisdom is is lit tonight and I just wanted to talk about this as we go into audition season because friends it's happening it's happening whether you like it or not and office hours actually started out of uh, me wanting to talk about pilot season like three years two years ago I guess at this point um, so audition season is upon us and I just want to take some time to remind you that you are enough Period. You are enough in this life. And if other people want to join you and spend time with you and take from you, that is one thing, as long as you give them permission to do it. But the second that they start taking all of you, the second they put you on the menu and they choose to buy you and eat you up and you are gone, that is when you are going to lose yourself. And that is when you are no longer going to be enough to get the things and to do the things that you want to do. In order to be present and to be ready for this audition season, you have to get your shit together. And it needs you need to focus on you, right? You are the artist who is walking into that room. You are the artist who will be walking onto that stage. And if you haven't taken the time to like get your checklist ready, now is the time to invest in yourself. And now is not the time to let people order you off that menu because right now you need to focus on you. This is the time. Audition season is like exam time in college. So you have to get yourself ready, get yourself to the library and get yourself educated because the time is here. If you haven't looked at your book in a while, now's the time. You're singing the same old stuff you were singing last year at this time, take it out of your book. You're gonna be singing for the same people. It hasn't changed. So you need to figure out what's changed in yourself and find material that suits who you are now. If you don't feel confident about your look right now, your body is not going to change significantly in the two weeks that we have right now, right? Like it's just not going to change. This is your body, this is your instrument. It is beautiful just the way it is. But if you aren't feeling confident in it, you need to get yourself to a store and you need to find some things that make you feel amazing. And it doesn't have to be a ball gown, it doesn't have to be a dress, it doesn't have to be a suit. If that's what makes you feel amazing, do it. But you are in charge of the way that you adorn yourself and that you present yourself. And your body is not going to fundamentally change before this audition season is happening. Unless you've done that work this past summer, this is who you are. Look in the mirror and realize that this is who you are and it is enough. But if there's something you can do to adorn it that is going to make you feel better when you go into an audition room, you got two weeks, figure it out. You need to do that now because working, you don't need to add that layer of stress later down the line. You don't have shoes that make you feel good. Now's the time to go get them. You got to invest in you. You don't have pictures that feel like they actually represent you. You got to do it now. There are lots of great photographers who are ready to take your picture. So you need to invest in you not just financially right now, but like doing the work. You need to do the work because these things are coming up and they will be here and they will be gone. It will be Christmas time. 
in a blink. It's September. It's like, it's upon us. Um, and there's a whole new crop of people who are here in the city who are eager and hungry, who have spent the summer doing a gig and are back and they're ready and they're prepared and they're doing their work. So it's time, it's time to dig in. Um, but I just want to remind you that it is not selfish to work on yourself. It is essential work. So if you need to take some time to not go to every party, to not go to every bar, to not, you know, to, to take the extra dance class, to spend time at home looking at your book, to do that work, you need to do that. And it is okay for you to spend that time investing in yourself right now. But this is your body. This is who you are. And you need to own and be okay with it. Because... It's great. <laughs> it's absolutely great. Um, okay, so it looks like I got a couple questions while we were having this chat. Uh, so I want to get to those before we run out of time. Um, let's see. Do, do, do. So Elizabeth says, stepping out for dinner. Do, do, do. Oh, she's just saying thank you. It's not a question. You're welcome. I hope you have a wonderful dinner. And Nicole says, I had a question about tattoos and piercing. Oh, great. My dad has a strong thing against tattoos and piercings and thinks that they are classless and that it's going to make me not able to get jobs. What are your thoughts? Well, first and foremost, I honor and respect your dad's opinion. He is 100% uh, validated in what he believes. Um, I happen to think differently. I happen to think tattoos are beautiful. I myself have one and I'm looking forward to getting another one. Um, but that is, it's my body and, and I love the story that they tell. I got a tattoo to commemorate, um, owning my body in a time in my life when I felt like I had no ownership over my body. Um, so for me, tattoos can be beautiful and personal. Um, when it comes to the work, uh, I will say, depending on where you get your tattoo, it can, of course, affect the work that you can get. If you get a face tattoo, right, like, you better be amazing at covering it up or understanding that, like, that's going to impact the work you can do. I doubt you would get a face tattoo, but here's my thing about tattoos and piercings. Uh, tattoos more than piercings. Piercings are a little tricky uh, in that, you know, if you get a, an eyebrow piercing uh, and we can still kind of see the hole, it's harder to cover up. But if you want to get a tattoo and you want to get a tattoo in a place that might be visible, um, there's a lot of great makeup and a lot of tricks on how to cover things up. And I just highly recommend that you look into that and make sure you own that product. And if you get a call for something that's, you know, in a Victorian England where maybe you wouldn't have a, a tattoo of, you know, the map of the world somewhere beautiful, um, just know how to cover it up. It, it's important to, to do that. You know, I, I can show you. I have this tattoo right there, risque, right? Um, and I strategically got my tattoo in, uh, in a place where it would be hidden because I got it when I was still performing back in the day. Um, and I think that's, that's wise too. If you're going to get a tattoo and it's not something that you need people to see all the time, then get it someplace, someplace easy to put a shirt over. Uh, but if you want to get it someplace visible, just make sure you have the makeup to cover it up and it totally exists. No problem. Um, and lots of shows now, they don't care. I mean, like anyone in the cast of Great Common who had a real tattoo, they were not making them cover that up. Um, there's a lot of art that it just doesn't even matter anymore, but there's still art where it does. So just have that skill set. Um, but also, 
your father has every right to believe what he believes and you have every right to follow suit if that's how you really feel about it. Uh, you can honor that uh, and and follow kind of what he says. That's, that's totally and completely up to you. Uh, I will say what I always say about everything, be it tattoos, clothing, anything, your body is your own. Uh, you are the only one who has agency over the way that you show and share your body and instrument with the world. So at the end of the day, uh, I think that it is important for you to honor what is valuable to you. However, I am aware every time I see my tattoo that it's never going to go anywhere and that I made that choice and that it's stuck with me forever. So, you know, um, luckily I still love it, but we'll see when I'm 85 how I feel about it. Um, okay, does anybody else have questions for me? Uh, I definitely want some tattoos. I just got scared after he told me I might not be able to get jobs. Uh, I wouldn't worry about it. The one thing I will say is outside of the creative and performing arts, uh, tattoos have a different implication and I would just make sure you also had the ability to cover them up. I do know for a fact some people who have lost jobs or who have been recently to job interviews where they say, it's fine if you have a tattoo, just make sure I can't see it. So something to consider. Um, yeah. But it is really interesting. As someone who studied personal adornment and, uh, and, ha and, when I went to school for anthropology, it is fascinating to me how what we put on our bodies and how we choose to adorn them can say exactly, or at least let other people perceive exactly who they think we are in the world. And generationally speaking, I do think we see a difference in people over the age of 60 and how they feel about tattoos and people under the age of 40 and how they feel about tattoos right now. Uh, there is definitely a kind of a split in the middle. So something to consider, especially if you at any point in time want a career outside of the arts. Um, okay, does anybody else have questions for me? If not, we have been on for about 45 minutes. This went very fast this week. You all had some really amazing thoughts and, and questions. Uh, but if nobody else has any questions for me, I am, um, oh, wait, before I go, I got a question on my other thing recently, pages. One second, please. Is everyone having a good weekend while this is loading? Um, I hope that you are. I hope you're doing something fun for this long weekend. Uh, let me know in the comments. I want to know what's going on. Um, okay, here we go. I got this. Nope, that was about a show. I got this question that says, I'm starting to look into finding representation in New York City. Um, a CD that I have a personal relationship with has recommended me to some specific agents thinking that I would be a good fit. Um, would it be inappropriate for me to reach out again to this CD and ask if she can submit me to these agents? I don't know how much, oh, sorry, I don't know much about the agent CD relationship, hoping you can give some advice. So this is a really great question and I really, really want to talk about this. So I don't think a lot of people actually know what a casting director does. So I just want to kind of break down a couple things. So a huge part of what I do on a daily basis is communicating with agents and managers about actors both like sending appointment emails and then taking phone calls and getting emails that are like pushes um, where an agent or a manager will send me an email and say like, hey, you don't know this person on my roster. Or maybe like, hey, you've seen this person. I really think this person would be great. Um, and so a big part of kind of one of the prongs of what a casting director does is building relationships with agents and C or agents and CDs, agents and managers um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but 
specifically when it comes to something like this, where an actor is saying that they have a personal relationship with a casting director, which I'm assuming means more than like going in for appointments, but rather like you've had dinner with this person or you have engaged with them at a bar in a personal space. Um, and that casting director has said like, oh, I think you'd be really great with so-and-so at this agency. If that person has said that to you and communicated it in a real way, I think you have every right to communicate with this person who you say you have a friendship or a personal relationship with and say, is there any world in which you could make a connection for me? Um, with the knowledge, of course, that anytime you ask a question of somebody, they have the right either to not answer it or to say, no, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But if this person has suggested it, I don't think they would suggest it just um, on a whim or just whatever. Um, so you have every right to do that. I will say that uh, that is a big ask and it is, uh, it puts, it's a reputation ask, right? This is something that I, I don't know that I've talked about this on Office Hours before, but sometimes when you ask something of somebody uh, and it is a reputation ask, which is what I say, that means that you're asking them something that will then put their reputation as an artist or as a business person on the line when they make that ask for you. So, right, like if some, if I said like, oh, I think you'd be great with this agent, and then you sent me an email saying, can you put me in contact with that agent? That means that my, my aesthetic, my, uh, my thought about someone's talent, all of that, which is part of my reputation as a casting director, since a huge part of my job is to assess people's talents and understand them and then be able to match them with other creative people. Um, I'm putting my reputation on the line by suggesting that that agent meet with that actor. Um, and that's a harder ask for me. Reputation asks are even harder for me than lots of other asks, like can I just get an appointment or whatever. That kind of ask is very, very, very difficult. And I think a lot of people would agree with me um, when it comes to things like your taste or your aesthetic or, or that and, and, and connecting people and, and hoping that it might work. It's tricky, right? Because if that agent meets that actor and is like, no, 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 that's not my person. That kind of makes me look bad as a middleman. And then moving forward when that agent is submitting people to me, it kind of taints that, that relationship. So the one thing I'm going to follow up to that question is, uh, yes, I think you have every right to ask that of somebody just with the understanding that that ask that you're making is not asking for an appointment or asking for something that's a little more structured. You are making a reputation-based ask. And those are a little bit trickier for some people to agree to do. Um, I think often just even giving someone the name or giving someone an idea um, can be very helpful because there are other ways to get in contact directly with those people. Uh, there are maze, ways to meet them one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, and to submit to them and to, you know, try to reach out to people. So it's kind of tricky. That's, a, that's a, a muddy water to swim and climb. But you, of course, have every right to ask that question only if, and this is a specific case, you have a personal relationship with that person. Um, but, you know, it's always... It's always a little tricky to make those kind of asks. Um, does anybody else have questions about like what a CD does? Because I am very, very, very willing to take those. And it is a mysterious job. Um, it, there's a, a lot of people who think they know what it is. A lot of people who have absolutely, absolutely no clue what it is. Um, and I'm here and willing to take any of those questions for you. 
um, if you have them. I can answer them to the best of my abilities. If you don't uh, and you have other types of questions, I also am here to take those 100%. Um, so I have about 10 more minutes if anybody wants to keep talking. Uh, I see that there are a lot of you with me live and I'm just so grateful that you're here. Um, I, I am just so thrilled that people uh, care about office hours and that people are finding it helpful. I, I love to share with you and I love to answer your questions. So again, please feel free to send those to me in a direct message anytime during the week, but if you have them right now, feel free, uh, or to leave them in the comments below. Um, I will share one more little tidbit about uh, what it means to be a casting director while you guys are thinking about your questions. Um, someone asked me the other day uh, how I feel about the kind of villainization of casting directors in, you know, every example of film and TV and theater and movies and seeing that, you know, they're kind of always the, the bad guy. Uh, and of course, it breaks my heart that that is how we're always portrayed as someone eating potato chips and crushing dreams, um, which is real. Have you guys noticed this? Every time there's a, a casting director, which is very rare, but anytime there's a casting director like in a movie, they're sitting somewhere eating chips. What is that? What is that trope about us eating chips? It's fascinating. I don't eat chips in the room. But what I will say about that is when people are sitting in a room for eight hours without really getting a break. The expectation that someone's maybe eating a little bit makes a little bit of sense. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, the villainization. Um, I will say that it breaks my heart because I do think there are so many of us um, who love this job so much because we love being the person who um, can connect creative teams with artists that they haven't met yet. Uh, nothing gets me more jazzed or more excited than meeting someone in a class or just seeing them in an open call or someone recommending them to me and, and I get to see this this incredible beauty and bravery and then saying, oh, I know who needs to meet this person and putting those people together. It is truly uh, the most rich and joyous experience of my life or watching someone walk into a room with material that I've heard 15 times in one day and all of a sudden hearing it completely anew uh, for the first time, like I've never heard it before. Um, these moments are thrilling to me and I, I love the work that I do. And I guarantee you that other people who do what I do feel the same way or they wouldn't continue to do it. Now, with that realization, I always like to point out everybody is allowed to have a different type of personality. Just like every actor who walks into a room has a different personality, um, which is so useful for different kinds of art and different kinds of projects, the expectation that everybody is going to be sunshine and roses or that everybody is going to be the devil incarnate is just wrong. It depends on the day. It depends on, you know, how long someone's been in the space. It depends on what people are working on. It just depends on who you are as a human being. So uh, when I see this kind of one note uh, visualization about what a casting director is, um, it, it, it makes me sad. And so I challenge you all this audition season uh, to know and remember that just like you all don't know what kind of room you're going to walk into, what kind of energy or what kind of person or people are going to be already in that space, we don't know what kind of energy is going to come into our room and, and affect us and affect our space. So I challenge everyone to de-villainize 
anyone and anything and desperately try to control the only thing that you can control, which is you. Um, and I will try to do my best to do the same thing in the room uh, because that's all that we can do. So to answer that question that someone asked me a while ago, does it break my heart to see the thing I love the most is villainized? A little bit, but at the same time, I get it because uh, when people have aspirations and goals and dreams and they see that they think that someone is standing in the way of them, it is very easy to uh, get upset with that person when things don't work out. And I definitely, definitely do that uh, with different people and different things. Um, clearly, CDs don't get in my way, uh, but there are other people that get in my way of things that I desperately want and things that I work so hard to achieve. Um, and I 100% have... Uh, written the Disney villain of those people in my brain. So I'm not surprised and I totally get it. Um, oh, it looks like I got one more question and I'm going to answer it. And then I think I'm going to go friends because it has been uh, almost an hour of me chatting. All right. So this person said, where are you? Um, if you're looking for an agent, oh yeah, the growing studio. Um, there are lots of places the Growing Studio is definitely one of them that is a, is a wonderful place. Um, I, you know, do not participate in any of those places for lots of reasons, but they are wonderful, wonderful uh, institutions, and you can meet a lot of cool people, absolutely. Um, hey, Dylan, hi. Uh, this has all been so helpful. Great. Uh, one quick question. Still in L.A. and headed back to New York September 20th. Will that be just in time for this audition season? Oh, yeah. Bring it on. September, late September, November, October, that whole time. There's going to be tons of stuff. So come on back from L.A. We miss you terribly. Come on in and, and jump in. I do want to say one thing before I go, and that is this. Um, I have lots of fun, cool, interesting sessions coming up. You can see behind me all of my notes. These are all projects that I'm working on and all the things that I need to get done before those projects start. Um, but... I am this week doing uh, a week of celebrity cruise auditions. For those of you who know, I work with celebrity and I just, I got, I saw this incredible status, someone who was a New York hire for celebrity who was like, Hey guys, cruise ships were never my jam. I never, ever, ever thought I'd do it. But here are some amazing things that have happened since I booked this cruise. I've paid off my student loans and my credit card. I get to uh, get my summer revenge body and work out all the time. I'm doing amazing shows. And so I just wanted to throw in a little pitch. We have an open call on Tuesday in New York City for singers. So if you are someone who wants to get out of the city and has student loans to pay and is looking to do some awesome shows because we have really great shows um, that are challenging and give you an eight show week that will make your vocal cords primed and ready. Uh, so many incredibly talented humans have come through our shows and uh, I'm really proud of the work that Celebrity does. So come down and see us on Tuesday. We have an open call at Ripley Greer and I hope to see some of you guys there. Um, yeah, so that is that. I am going to shut this down unless somebody has a question for me. Uh, just a reminder, if some of you are new people because I saw that this got shared a couple times, uh, Office Hours is a show that I do every other Sunday night from now on. I'm not going to do it every Sunday. Um, I might do it a couple more, but every other Sunday night um, where I take your industry questions and we'll answer them. So if you have any questions for me, feel free to send me a private message throughout the week or uh, right on my wall, and I will absolutely take those questions. Um, so I'm going to wrap it up, friends. It is, oh, you're welcome, Nicole. It's so good to have you here. Um, 
I just want to remind everybody as we kind of go into this new season, uh, this kind of back to school, back to auditioning season, every single day is an opportunity to change anything about yourself that you want to change, to change anything in your life. And this is a great season of change. Um, Every single morning you wake up, you have the opportunity to enhance the person that you were or to completely change your identity. So if there's something about yourself that you wish that you could make better or make different, you can. Anytime you want, you can do that. Um, it might take work. It might take patience to convince other people of that truth. But I just want to remind you that this is back to school time and it is an opportunity, especially in the industry, for you to reinvent, reinvigorate, and uh, reassess the things that you value as an artist and the gifts that you want to be sharing. Um, it's never too late to dig deep and to find the truths and the things that you want to share, and it is never too late to show the fuck up. Because if you don't show up, it's definitely not going to happen. No matter what it is, uh, you have to do the work and you have to show up. So, I encourage you tomorrow morning to wake up with a plan and to uh, change anything about yourself that you think needs changing and to embrace anything about yourself that you think is awesome. Uh, I always like to say that I am in awe of your courage and your bravery to choose to be an artist in a world that is actively telling you not to. Uh, but now is the time and it is more and more important every day that you embrace who you are and share those stories because if you don't, nobody else will. And the world has been thriving on storytellers since we knew how to share them. So I hope you all are well. I hope you enjoy your day tomorrow. Um, take some time to relax and uh, make some art if you can, or just drink a beer if you want to. Life is good. And uh, I will see you all in two weeks. Unless I hear so desperately from you all that you uh, have so many questions for me, then I will be back next week. I hope to see some of you on Tuesday at the Celebrity Open Call at Ripley Greer in the morning. Uh, we have a dance call on Friday as well. Uh, and if I don't, I just think you're wonderful anyways. So you can always find me at www.kate-lumpkin.com. You can book me for coachings if you want to work on material or talk about your life and figure out a business plan for yourself. Uh, you can find this podcast on Apple uh Apple Music, search for Office Hours with Kate Lumpkin, subscribe, like, leave a comment. Uh, and if this video was helpful to you, or if you think you know someone who might need to work with me or see stuff like this, feel free to share this video or to tell someone to be friends with me or to make an introduction because I love meeting new people and helping everyone that I can. So I think you're all the bee's knees. I hope you have a wonderful week and uh, I'll talk to you soon, friends. Okay, bye.